I felt completely normal and like myself. I was like, oh, this is what people mean when they say that they get a break between them and when they're just kind of, you know, chatting in those early stages of labor. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. What was it like finding out that you and your spouse were pregnant with your first child? Were you thrilled? Shocked? Utterly horrified? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 212 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and today we're speaking to Blythe, an incredible mother to two precious boys. We're going to hear how Blythe's entrance into motherhood, beginning at the knowledge of her pregnancy, was tumultuous and difficult, and yet she experienced so much healing and then was able to go on to have an absolutely joyous second pregnancy. Now, I do want to share that Blythe is so wonderfully open about her experiences with us, and I feel that this can be so encouraging, especially to those of you who have found yourself or are finding yourself in a similar frame of mind as Blythe in your pregnancy. Maybe you feel it right now. At the same time, I do always like to give a good heads up when content may be difficult, and this is the case with the first part of today's story. Blythe will share of her perinatal depression along with her postpartum mood disorders, including the hallucination she experienced. But as I said, this is a story of hope and of redemption, and there is so much beauty to follow. As always, please decide for yourself what you feel comfortable taking in in terms of stories, but I'm thrilled to be able to share hope with so many mothers who can relate. All right, let's go ahead and jump into this incredible episode. Please remember that the opinions of my guests may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa. And the show is not medical advice. It's an educational tool. So continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Blythe, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you for having me. This is super exciting. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you and um, excited to talk about your two birth stories. One of them with your incredibly fresh 11 day old baby. Um, So this is going to be just an amazing conversation. Would you mind just starting by introducing yourself to the listeners? Oh yeah. Um, So my name is Blythe. I'm 29. I'm married to my high school sweetheart, Jay. Um, I guess we've been married a little over eight years now. Um, We have two little boys, Gibson and Winslow. I love to thrift. I homeschool my son, who is five, my older one. Um, I don't know. I kind of love all things crunchy and that slow living kind of lifestyle as much as possible. I do find myself hustling a little bit every now and then, and I have to tell myself to slow down. But yeah, that's us. (laughs) I love it. I love that that is the, that's the goal. That's the orientation of your family. That's such a beautiful way to live. Um, Now, I'm curious to hear, you had mentioned to me that you were born at home. So I'd love to hear, like, how does that, how did that impact your view of birth and the plans that you made for the future as you, you know, thought about giving birth? Yeah. um, Well, I am 
the there's five kids in my family and I am number four and I was I was the youngest for almost nine years before my mom had my younger brother who was a huge surprise she ended up giving birth to him when she was 43 um and all of my older brothers except my very oldest um, were born at home and that was just like a normal topic like we all knew this and we saw it as normal and where we were living in um in Lancaster Pennsylvania there's tons of Mennonite and Amish so mm-hmm. home birth whether or not you're Amish was just like a more normal thing right um so uh yeah anyway I was so excited being almost nine, knowing that like, I finally get to witness it. Like my older brothers were present for each like subsequent siblings birth, but being the youngest for so long, I didn't have that opportunity. But then I did get to watch my younger brother be born. And um, I just remember it feeling so amazing. And like having this thought of like, I just watched my baby brother take his first breath. Like, that just blew me away. And the midwife was so calm and I had literally known her my whole life because she was the one who also caught me. And she had children who were involved in the same homeschool co-op that I was involved in. So like I saw this person regularly. She was a normal part of our life. And she was also the one delivering my little brother. So like, I don't know, it all just felt normal and peaceful. They just came to the house. My mom labored I mean, this was her fifth kid, so she was she got it down pat by that point. Um, and I just remember feeling so, like, it just wasn't scary. There was nothing scary or intimidating about it. I just watched normal birth happen right in front of me. And I just never thought twice about doing it any differently when I grew up. I was like, this, duh. Like, yeah, I'm going to do the same thing when it's my turn. (laughs) I love that. I so hope, I mean, that is, I think that that's what so many of us hope for our children as we are making these decisions, oftentimes for the first time, um, Mm -hmm. the first ones in our families and this thought of, okay, it really can change the way that our entire family views birth that is absolutely so all my all, all my friends grew up just being very fearful of birth and I was always like why <laughs> and it, I just realized my mother gave us such a gift mm-hmm. and I mean my brothers all my older brothers now have children of their own some of their wives had home birth some of them had hospital birth but like they also as men went into the situation feeling comfortable, feeling like birth is normal, bodies, like this is what happens. They'd witnessed it already. And so I just think that was such a gift of my mom that she gave us without probably fully realizing it at the time. That's incredible. So, all right, let's talk about how your own births unfolded then. So okay. you and Jay, you mm-hmm. said you were high school sweethearts and then you got married. And then mm-hmm. what was what's the story after that? How did you become pregnant? When? What was it like? Okay. Well, uh, Jay was in college when we got married and we knew that we wanted to be parents, but it was sort of one of those subjects where like, if it came up, it was like, 
yeah, we want to, but like, we're happy with how we are right now. And like, you're still in school and da da da. So anyway, he graduated college, um, like about two years into our marriage. And then, um, all summer went by and I, we mostly used like natural family planning, but like with the added protection when we knew that I was fertile because like my cycle was just super regular. Um, but one month I just looked at the calendar wrong. I -hmm. just counted the days completely incorrectly and my body did exactly what it was supposed to do. (laughs) And I'm not pregnant. (laughs) So it was a surprise, but also it was like, it was like the morning after (laughs) that I counted again and I was like, Oh no, Jay, we made a mistake last night. Um, or rather, I made the mistake because I counted wrong. My was um, wasn't so good last night. So then we just like, you know, we waited the two weeks until I could take a test and it was positive. And I always thought that even if I got pregnant, even if it was like a surprise, I, I literally always wanted to be a mom. So I just thought like, oh, well, even if it is a surprise, I'll probably be happy. And but I very much was not. I was like, I looked at the test and it said pregnant and I literally chucked it across the room and I said, no. Mm-hmm. And then I broke down crying and then came the guilt because of all the women that I know who try so hard to get pregnant and are struggling. And I was like, this is so unfair. I should not be the one pregnant right now. There are others that are more deserving who want this. And, um, it, that pregnancy just came with a whole slew of uh, battles. There were there was just a lot of anger, which I felt really guilty about, especially because like, well, like I'd already mentioned, women trying to get pregnant and unable to, and and also just the guilt towards the fact that I didn't want the child that I was carrying. I was hoping for a miscarriage, and I remember like crossing the twelve week. 12 week line being like, well, I guess this thing is probably sticking around. And I hated that I even had that thought. I wanted to find joy in this life that my body was creating. And I was just like, I was numb and I was mad. And I just wasn't, I guess I wasn't ready for that change, that big life change. So it was a really difficult pregnancy in that way. Every other way, it was super easy. I mean, not a smidge of nausea. I, I know (laughs) I felt totally perfectly fine, except there were a couple weeks where I did have some really bad sciatic pain. Um, but otherwise it was like a dream pregnancy on the physical side of things. Um, my midwifery care was wonderful. I actually went to the same office that my mom went for all of us, which was really special. Um, I got to see um, my sweet midwife. Her name is Heidi. Um, She actually recently passed away, which was difficult during this pregnancy because like I just missed her. But um, she, she was just so excellent and so maternal. And, you know, the visits lasted usually an hour and they were always fun visits too, because I was usually the only, uh, well, 
they called me English. It was most of the patients were Amish. So I was always, <laughs> I was always the odd one out going to the office, waiting room, sitting around. But um, it was just a really pleasant environment. Everyone was so down to earth and everyone just had the same mentality of trusting their bodies and like all of this is normal and we trust God to take care of us and our babies and um, it was just really beautiful prenatal care and even though I was struggling with the pregnancy I always looked forward to those visits which was really special um, so I guess I could just roll into the story of how Gibson was born absolutely um, so I was due on May 14th, which was Mother's Day that year, ironically. And um, the day before that was May 13th, obviously. It was a Saturday. And Jay and I were up watching Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> and and I started noticing some contractions. Um, so I always say that Guardians of the Galaxy sent me into labor. Um, but it was like a really weird pattern. They weren't, they were more pinchy than Braxton Hicks. I was like, oh, these definitely aren't just Braxton Hicks. They weren't very painful yet. But the weird thing was, was that they were coming only two minutes apart. And being a first time mom, I was like, I don't know what this means. I don't know what to do because, you know, the whole five minutes apart, lasting for a minute, an hour like I was waiting for that to call my midwife I was like maybe they'll fizzle out and they didn't they just kept coming every two minutes apart and so I called my midwife and I explained what was going on and she was like yeah that is a little strange do you have a really high pain tolerance and I was like I don't know I mean yes in one way because I, I was like a chronic migraine sufferer so Yes, in that regard, but I also felt like you couldn't really compare that pain to labor. Even though I hadn't experienced labor yet, I was like, I feel like that's too hard to compare. So I didn't know how to answer that question exactly, and I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I kind of do, but I don't know. <laughs> um, so she was like, okay, I'll, I'll like gather my things. I'll make my way over. I'm not rushing over by any means, but like, I'll be there. Okay. So she probably doesn't get there until close to 1 a.m. I'd say I called her at around 11 p.m. And things are still two minutes apart and the intensity is picking up. I'm like leaned over on my, uh, on like the yoga ball, um, just kind of like rocking back and forth. That felt the best to me. And it was really odd because in between the contractions, there was still like this constant pain and ache. I wasn't getting any kind of break really that I heard people talking about. I wasn't having conversation in between contractions. That was not something that felt doable to me because I still needed to like try to breathe because there was just like this low level of discomfort and pain in between each one. So nothing really felt textbook and I was kind of thrown off by that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just continued laboring all night long. Like I couldn't sleep between them like I had originally hoped that I would. So I was just up 
all night long. And by the time 6 a.m. rolled around, my body was definitely starting to like shut down and contractions were slowing down to like about every seven minutes apart. So still like consistent, and but not like crazy strong and still with that weird pain in between, just like not giving me any kind of break. Mm. But um, my midwife in all her wisdom, she gave me two options. She was like, I could give you a tincture that's basically like nature's Pitocin and we could see if we can kick this back into gear. Or you can take like an Epsom salt bath with lavender, try to purposefully slow things down more and get a nap and cuddle with your husband. Mm-hmm. Which was, to, oh, and she did ask if I wanted to be checked. And I originally never wanted to be, but because things were so irregular, I was like, yeah, you know, if I'm only at a two, I need to, I need to know this. Yeah. <laughs> so she did check me and I was at a five. So not as bad as things could have been, um, but definitely not where you want to be after laboring from 10.30 p.m. the night before till 6 a.m. the next day. Yeah. Confusing. Um, It was confusing. And yeah, like I said, nothing was textbook. So I, I opted for the, for slowing it down on purpose because I was like yeah I definitely need a nap I have no idea how much longer this is going to take and so I felt a little defeated in the moment I remember like almost crying and being like no I am making the best choice this is what is the most helpful this is not bad this is just how it is unfolding right now that is okay so like there was like this little emotional blip and then I was like, no, 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 this is okay. (laughs) Um, So we did that and we did end up being able to nap for about three hours, um, which was really nice. And then I woke up again to a fairly strong contraction and um, still experiencing that low level discomfort between each one. And as the contractions were getting more intense, so was that level of pain in between so I still never felt like I was getting any kind of break in between these contractions and I was Caitlin I was so tense the entire time I really thought I was like I'm gonna nail this breathing thing I'm gonna do my hypnobirthing and this is gonna be I'm just gonna knock it out of the park especially because my mom kind of did knock it out of the park she literally just looked like a mammal giving birth with how able she was to just lay there relaxed in her words my brothers and I all just slid out she (laughs) (laughs) so she she made it look so easy and I knew that wasn't everyone's case but I was like I know that that's possible so I didn't necessarily apply it to me but it was sort of like "Ooh, this is achievable I think I can do this too Mm-hmm. Anyway, that just was not the case for me. And I was mm-hmm. so, so tense the whole time. Um, yeah. So anyway, my midwife ended up coming back a couple hours after Jay and I woke up. So this is Mother's Day, Sunday, my due date. And I continued to labor all day and watching the sun go down mm-hmm. was so discouraging. I was like, I can't believe the baby's still not here. And I was getting 
really frustrated and obviously I was tense so I wasn't doing myself any favors whatsoever. I was not in the right mindset to just let my body freely do what it was supposed to do. I was also, I think there was the emotional weight of just dreading becoming a mother. Mm. I still, I wasn't even at the point of like, oh, I can't wait to meet my baby. It was more like, nah, they can stay inside there as long as they want. And I think I just gave my permission, gave my body permission to just keep that baby in there because mm. our minds are so powerful in that way. Um, oh, I did forget to mention we left the gender a surprise because for me, since I wasn't like bonding with the baby at all or excited, I needed something to look forward to. So to me, that was like the gender, mm-hmm. um, just throwing that in there. Um, yeah. So anyway, I think there was just, I was in a bad mind place and my body was just keeping that baby in there. And we also made the mistake of like telling our families when I went into labor, we told them once we called the midwife, once we knew she was coming, I was like, okay, we can like tell family that I'm in labor. We have huge families. (laughs) And so this whole time, I'm just so aware of the fact that like 40 people are waiting to hear that the baby is born. Yeah. I did not know that that would mess with my brain. In my head, I was like, oh, it'll be really nice to know that like people are praying for us. Whatever. No, I felt like all of a sudden I was being watched Mm -hmm. and waited on. Uh, So I think those things really played a part in how long things took. Um, Anyway, so it was around... 9 p.m. I started feeling what I thought was pushy as also like a first time mom who was progressing really slow. It was kind of hard to identify that feeling, Mm -hmm. but something was definitely, it was feeling a little bit different and I could hear myself making slightly different noises. And so I was like, I think I could try pushing now. Um, And so my midwife actually brought a birthing stool per my request. Anytime I like envisioned my labor and birth, I just automatically pictured myself in a squatting position. So she brought the squatting, the the birthing stool, which sure enough was like the only thing that felt comfortable. So it's really interesting how our brains can like know these things about our bodies before our bodies even tell us that we need that. I always really like that part of my story, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I, I pushed a couple times and then I hit transition. I got really, really hot. I threw up one time, um, tried pushing a couple more times. And then my midwife had me try the, I had to get back on the bed. She wanted me to try that one spinning babies move where like your butt is in the air mm-hmm. and your head is down, like on the pillows. She didn't tell me why. She was just so calm. And she was like, I think that this will help. No details or context whatsoever. So I I did it. And I, I could barely complete it in that position. That was so difficult. Especially because, like I said, I was not relaxed at all. I was so tense. Um, 
So anyway, I continued pushing and an hour and 20 minutes later, uh, somebody told me, I don't remember if it was my husband or my mid or my midwife, but they were like, Blythe, open your eyes. Cause I, I had just been like <laughs> closing my eyes, focusing so hard on letting my body do what it needed to do. Um, and I opened my eyes and between my legs was a head. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I had burst the head and didn't feel it. I kept waiting for the ring of fire that everyone talks about. And I figured you would feel a head come out of your body, but I totally didn't at all. I don't, I don't know if that, yeah, it was just such a weird sensation, like to, to open my eyes and just like see a baby's head and realize like, oh my gosh, I'm so close. <laughs> um, so then sure enough, one more push and, and he came out and, um, he wasn't big, but when you've never birthed a baby before, it just looks re- like, oh my gosh, a human just came out of my body. So my very first words wasn't like, oh, my baby, you're like, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't like this ethereal magical moment. I literally said, it's so big. <laughs> I was just like in this weird state of shock of like, that just came out of my body. Sure. Like, you guys saw it. Huh? And like, he really wasn't big. He was like seven, nine or seven, 10, like super average. Like, <laughs> I don't know. But, um, and I was just so relieved that it was over that I didn't even check his gender. Like they had to ask. They're like, so boy or girl. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, right. (laughs) Like I'm so exhausted Mm -hmm. at that point. And I like checked and like, it's a boy. Um, so that was that experience. And then I everything was pretty fuzzy after that, just because of my exhaustion level. Mm -hmm. Like I was just super, that was really I somebody helped me onto the bed. I remember the placenta came out pretty much right away as soon as I started nursing him. Oh, he did do the um the nursing crawl, the breast crawl, mm-hmm. whatever that's called. Yeah. This like strong little guy. He just like shimmied on up there. I'm like, that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> um and I really had hoped that it would be this beautiful moment where like I met my baby and fall in love. That's what everyone said would happen. People were people who also like didn't really connect with their baby in utero said that once the baby was born, they're like, Oh, just you wait until you see their eyes or wait until you nurse them for the first time. Like you'll experience a love that you've never experienced before. And None of none of those people were lying to me, so I really believed. I was like, okay, this will this will happen for me too. Like it has to happen for me too, and it totally didn't. I was, there was just like it was all just like practical. Like, oh, good, labor's over. Okay, now I nurse him. Oh, right, we have to think about a name because we still hadn't fully decided, and it was just so. It was very mechanical. Like, I don't, emotionally, there was just no um, warmth or yeah, attachment. Like it was like blocked, it, it feels like. It was like this blockage. It was, very much so. And um, 
And at first I just chalked it up to the fact that I was so exhausted, which certainly probably played a small part in it. Yeah. But um, uh, after he was born, I just like very quickly um, slipped into like postpartum depression and anxiety. And I definitely did experience what I would assume to be some psychosis, like I remember, um, I don't know, this, if you need to edit this out, maybe, maybe you can, but like, I remember one hallucination, I think it was my, like my first one, there were only a few, but this was my first one that like really, really scared me. I was, um, I, I woke up thinking that I was hearing him stir, needing to nurse, I woke up like I was not dreaming and in my hallucination, in my hallucinative state, what's that word? I don't know. You know what I mean? I saw his limbs just spread all over the bed, like, like doll parts. There were like a leg there, an arm there, a, a torso on the floor. And I literally started gathering each piece and p- trying to put them back together. And I, like, I wasn't <laughs> dreaming. And then I like kind of started coming to and I looked and there in the bassinet was Gibson sleeping perfectly fine. And I was like, what? <sighs> like, what, what is happening? And I, and I looked down and I had been like gathering random baby items that were on the bed, like a sock here, a blanket here, a hat there, like just stuff that had been scattered. And I was like, (laughs) really freaked out. I was like, I was not dreaming that. I I was fully awake, but my brain was not in the right place. Yeah. Um, And yeah, the depression that followed after that. I mean, Jay, Jay would have to hand me Gibson when he was crying because I just had like no drive. And I was so upset over the fact that I didn't even want to hold my baby. Mm-hmm. And the guilt that came with that. I just remember crying being like, this perfect little thing deserves so much better. And I wanted to just run away mm-hmm. because it was so unfair to this little baby who deserved nothing but so much love and so much attention. And I did hold him all the time, but it wasn't out of a desire to, it was purely out of anxiety and fear. Like, I think God's design is really cool in the way that hormonally, I think no matter what, mothers will have like a mother bear instinct to care for their young. And if it weren't for that, I think I might have actually just like given up. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it was, I just felt like a shell of a person and I didn't know what was going on. And I didn't, I was just like, Gibson deserves so much better. And I just wanted to run away. Mm. And that went on for, honestly, 
a little bit more than a year mm-hmm. of his life. And I was pretty open with people about like my struggles, but there was also a point at which I was like, I think I'm sharing too much because they might see me as a truly unfit mother. And like my anxiety was telling me somebody's going to call the CPS. Oh, yeah, <laughs> And I was like, I, I can't fully reveal how hard this is for me and what I'm actually experiencing because they might take my baby away mm-hmm. or they might send me away to like a psych ward or something. And so I just didn't, I hardly even fully told Jay how incredibly bad things were. And also if I even tried to articulate what was going on, I I couldn't, the fog was so dense and so thick and so confusing that like, I could not even really name my emotions. It, it was, it was impossible. So that was a really difficult time. And right before he turned one, we actually moved away from my hometown. Um, And then that took away my community. And then I was even more isolated than before. And it just kind of continued to go downhill from there. And eventually like my postpartum depression kind of lifted, but then there's just like the regular depression. (laughs) of just all those changes and me still feeling isolated and me really wrestling with what happened that first year postpartum and me just hardly being able to look at my son without feeling immense guilt. Mm. You know, like it was, it was a battle every single day. It was a battle and I was still having a hard time getting out of bed and stuff. So like it probably wasn't until he was about three that I was like, huh, I, I don't think I would classify myself as depressed anymore. I still do feel pretty isolated and lonely, but like I am feeling more myself. So it was a really, really long journey and yeah. definitely made me question whether or not I could ever have another kid ever. Yeah. So what a, I mean, I think what's so hard about that is just, you know, the, the depth of it and the brevity, like it was so deep and it was so long, like that was so intense for such a long period of time. Mm -hmm. That just sounds exhausting. It, it was, and I didn't know how to find anyone to relate to. And I didn't have any friends who were parents yet. Mm-hmm. I had a few acquaintances like from high school, but they weren't local. I didn't really know them super well. So I was just like trying to keep up with friends in a world where children didn't live, basically. Mm-hmm. It's so unhealthy because your pace of life does need to change once you have a child. And I was refusing to let it change because I was like, I can't be abandoned. I need to still go to all these social outings. And, you know, I was hearing people tell me like, oh, nothing needs to change after you have a baby. You can bring them anywhere. You can go out. You can do all these things. And I was, I was keeping up, quote unquote. 
And I'm such an extrovert too, that I was like, this should be healthy. Being around people is what will make me feel better. But it, all it did was run me into the ground over and over and over every single day. It was making his naps impossible because I was essentially sacrificing his well-being for my own or what I thought would help me feel more like a human. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I learned a lot, had a lot to heal from. And didn't feel ready for another kid for until he was, um, I'd say about four mm-hmm. is when I realized that, that like I didn't want another baby yet, but in me was this deep seated knowledge that I was not done, that there, yeah. there was to be another. Mm-hmm. And so I just needed to wait for more healing for better timing, obviously for my husband to be on board. And I also then needed for the final piece, which was, well, peace, the final piece to be at peace with it. Yeah. Um, so that finally happened shortly after we bought a house in May of 2021. So Gibson had just turned five when we closed on the house or sorry just turned four when we closed on the house and come I kind of like stewed on it all summer long and then by November Jay and I were like actually having the conversation of like I think I actually feel ready like so much healing has come since that time like are you ready? What, what would this look like? Um, so we started trying, um, like the end of November and we fell pregnant by January. Mm. And what did that healing look like for you? Like, it sounds like it was just like this dramatic change, like, and and not, not to say it was like quick, but right. Even feel like, okay, I think we can do this again. It seems like you took that into massive consideration. So I'm curious to hear like, what did it look like? How, how did it unfold? Or was it simply time? Most of it was simply time. I did see a therapist a few times I never really fully felt like I clicked with her or maybe I just didn't go often enough for things to really be hashed through because funds were so low that like it was just really, really tough to afford Mm -hmm. that. So a lot of it was time and then a huge piece of it was me finally um, just surrendering to the role of motherhood and being like, I will settle myself into this season. I believe that I can love this and enjoy it and I'm going to make conscious choices to just love this season that I'm in I mean granted being able to make those decisions in and of itself shows that I had already made leaps and bounds in my healing journey which I think was just time related and I where I finally got to the point where I was like okay I'm gonna pick myself up and we're gonna stop this pity party so like it it took a while to be able to get there but once I was able to make those decisions things changed dramatically and I also gave myself permission to separate 
myself from certain social circles that were frankly just hurting me and not helping. They were people that I thought would be there for me in the ways that I needed them. And they just weren't even after expressing those needs to them and, and separating myself from that gave me such sudden and obvious clarity (laughs) that I didn't know that I was lacking. So mostly time, but then also those little things, I think is what got me to the point of being ready for a second. Wow. And so you said that you, you began, um, you had decided, okay, we're, we're willing, we're open to conceive in November. And then it it was January that that happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what was this like the second time around where you had planned this? You knew this was the goal. What was it like? It was so fun and exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was, uh, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. It was everything that I had always envisioned finding out you're pregnant would be like or should be like. Um, I. I remember I was like walking home one day from from our local coffee shop and I was looking at the calendar for some event and I realized that I was already one day late for my period. It had been a busy month so like I I was just like totally not paying attention to the to what day it was. And I was like, "Oh, that's kind of weird. Like I'm super on time." But also like one day that does happen every once in a while. So I was like, hmm. it was also evening time. So I'm like, I'm not going to test now yeah. just, just in case. But you know, if tomorrow I wake up and I still don't have a period, that's ultra unusual for me. So I will test then. So yeah, I went to bed and I woke up the next day, um, went to the bathroom and was like, well, I guess I should probably do this now. And so I didn't tell Jay that I was testing. Um, I just, I, I really wanted the moment for myself just because of my previous experience with, mm-hmm. with Gibson. Um, and so, yeah, I like took the test and I was, I was like shaking <laughs> and I turned it over and it, and it just said pregnant. And I didn't like cry, cry, but I, was just so overcome with the fact that what I was feeling was joy. I was just like, oh my goodness, I'm happy about this. And the fact that I'm happy about this is making me so much more happier, (laughs) if that makes sense. So it was like the happiness was just like building on top of each other. And um and I just like went straight to our bedroom and I, I showed Jay the test and, you know, he was just like, what, what? <laughs> like big eyes, excitement. And then Gibson ran into our room cause he had just woken up and I look at Jay. I was like, I don't, do, do we just tell him now? Like what, what does this look like? I don't know. We have, we've barely, we haven't even hugged yet. Like he just kind of like interrupted the moment a little bit. <laughs> um, and, and Jay was like, like why not sure so we told him and he wasn't like overly excited or anything but he was just he was very intrigued like oh oh okay 
because he never even asked for a sibling or anything. He wasn't, he wasn't at that point. Um, It didn't take him very long at all to be like super excited. But anyway, so that was, that was that. And then um, I do remember I had, I struggled with a little bit of guilt in the beginning though, because like, I really wanted to keep my positive pregnancy test. Okay. I wanted to keep it because obviously it reminded me of such a wonderful and happy moment. And I know a lot of women keep their positive pregnancy tests as like a memento kind of thing, but I couldn't let myself because I had thrown away Gibson's Mm. and I was like, that feels cruel and unfair to my firstborn to like not have his because I'd thrown it away in anger, but to keep this second one so like there was already that like weird how happy do I let myself be (laughs) that was difficult because it just I still struggle with just how unfair it it felt towards Gibson to just Mm -hmm. hold on to so much anger essentially the whole time I was pregnant with him um but that's one aspect I would love just to briefly at least hear about is the healing of that. And, you know, over time, like, obviously it was so, it was so upsetting in the time, you know, when it happened for you and then jumping into this extended season of depression and, and struggle, what was it like kind of coming out of that? And then like, you know, maybe, from your perspective, at least, I mean, I know kids are so resilient, but kind of like rebuilding or reconnecting that relationship with him. Yeah. I, part of my healing process in order for me to feel ready to have another child, I was like, I need to heal my relationship with Gibson. Mm. Like, cause I, I was resentful of him for a long time and I knew that that was wrong and that none of this was his fault. And like, you can't put that on a little person. Um, it's wildly unfair to place your emotions in anyone's hands and be like, this is your responsibility, but especially so in a child. And so I, just took a lot of time to be super intentional with him and build a relationship with him. And like, I obviously like, I haven't told him of course, like what my experience was with him, but like in a way I haven't to his face, but I have apologized Mm -hmm. to him and forgiven myself. Mm -hmm. And someday when he's a lot older, I'm sure I will share more with him and honestly just ask him for forgiveness because I I do think that I need that that'll be much later down the road but um yeah healing my relationship with Gibson healed a big part of me and I mean my relationship with Gibson now is like truly my pride and joy and he is the most dear thing I can't wait to tell you how sweet he was about pregnancy and labor and how he was so present during the labor and he was right next to me when, Mm. when Winslow was born and like, he is a beautiful soul and I, uh, God gave me such a gift in him 
and I love seeing how redemptive that has been and I know that to me redemption always seems like an overflowing waterfall it always flows into somebody else or into the next generation and I just like know that this healing journey will spill out only in good ways into Gibson and that will spill out into good ways in in his life and then in maybe his future kids and I am just beyond grateful for that so oh that yeah that I'm feeling a bit emotional (laughs) it's just yeah that's incredible to hear how how healing that is and it totally makes sense that you know being able to like actually invest finally in that relationship and feel solid in it and Mm -hmm. and then to be able to bring him alongside you in this second pregnancy I can only imagine that that would be in and of itself extremely healing to be like you're part of this like you're so involved in this and and we want you in this yeah. And one of the reasons, or we actually, um, for that reason, kind of, we ended up not sharing this pregnancy with social media at all because it just felt too good and too sacred for us as a family to walk through it together because it was, I think, healing mm-hmm. for all of us to revel in the joy of the new life that was coming that we all as a unit wanted which was super beautiful. And so, yeah, Gibson, you know, he was at like every single prenatal visit and we talked about birth all the time. And I was spending a lot of time preparing him for labor and birth because I really wanted him to be there because like I mentioned, as having witnessed my own mother give birth, I knew the great benefits of that. So um, I really wanted to prep him for that. And he he's like about five and a half now. So he's definitely old enough to remember like all of this that happened. And so I just wanted it to leave a really good impression on him. So I spent a lot of time preparing him. We watched birth videos, particularly ones that were on the louder side because I wasn't quiet when I labored with Gibson. And I did tell him, I was like, I might be quiet, but when I gave birth to you, I was really loud. And my body was just making the noises it needed to make in order to bring you into the world. And like, um, we had some really good conversations. I didn't want to paint this picture of like, Oh, I'm going to be in a lot of pain. So that's why I'm going to be yelling. It was more just like, my body is going to be working super hard. And so these contractions are going to be intense and I might need to make some sounds that will help bring baby into the world. And those sounds will probably be a little weird and um just preparing him in that way and also anatomically like he knew that you know the baby was in my uterus in a water sack floating in amniotic fluid connect and he had you know the baby there was an umbilical cord that was attached to him that was attached to the placenta which was attached to the uterus which was giving him all his oxygen and nutrients like Gibson could have given you this lesson he was so well versed in it we had the conversation so many times and and he understood that a contraction meant that um my cervix would be opening up and getting bigger and that it would make space for the baby to come out of my vagina and like he just knew all of this and then nothing was weird about it which was really cool like he just took it so matter of fact we were a pretty open household so I wasn't really surprised by that but um 
a lot of people who were like wary of Gibson being there were like, are you sure about this? Like, won't it scare him? And I'm just like, no, no, he'll be fine. Like, yep. this is a normal part of life. And that's how we're approaching it and talking about it. And he's going to just see it for what it is. Not to say we didn't have people that we couldn't call if need be. Like, we wanted to recognize the fact that birth can be difficult emotionally for people of all ages. And we did have people to call if we were sensing that maybe he needed to be separated from it. But um, we never needed to. He was he was wonderful the whole entire time. <laughs> mm. That's incredible. So you did all of this preparation work. What do you feel like, I mean, this time, what was the connection like prenatally with Winslow? Um, I felt it was, it was definitely a lot better. Um, I, it was, I don't know if I ever felt like this overwhelming, like, Oh, I can't wait to meet you. But I was, every time I thought about him being in our lives, I was just like, that feels so great and normal. Like (laughs) that, it just, it felt really good. Like growing this life inside me and it feeling so right and um yeah I'm not one to like talk to my belly or sing to it and that was never like that's not something that came naturally to me but I did very much feel like this little soul and mine are connected and I'm really excited to meet them when they come out um just like that realization of like I am carrying another person's soul within me (laughs) it's just really powerful and there was just a lot of peace that came with that and like yep this feels right (laughs) that's powerful language too just thinking about I mean I think about the fact that I'm carrying another life another human but I don't know if I've ever put that word to it like yeah of course those things but that means you're carrying someone's soul inside of you that's that's huge. Yeah. yeah. Which I think also speaks volumes into the importance of our emotional health during pregnancy too. And like, I mean, Gibson was a hard baby. He was not content. He was not happy. And obviously I, I you know, that could be chalked up to coincidence, but I think babies do mirror our nervous system and mine was shot. It was a mess, hot mess express from the moment I conceived through, you know, the first year. And he was a hard, hard baby who just was never really at peace. He could never sleep for long periods of time. He, uh, his attachment level was high. Like he couldn't just like lay there peacefully. He needed me constantly um he was an anxious baby I was an anxious mom like (laughs) and um yeah again you could chalk that up to coincidence and some of it might just be some of his natural born temperament I don't know but so far Winslow is kind of the complete opposite (laughs) so but I'm only I'm only 11 days in so well but I mean yeah that that early it's still isn't it fascinating how you can see little gems of of who they already are yeah Um, but yeah okay so that is so neat well let's hear about then you know this end of pregnancy and into actually giving birth what what was it like this time 
yeah, <laughs> 11 days was, ago. <laughs> yeah, there was so much excitement and anticipation this time. Like I just, I wasn't tired of being pregnant. I wasn't feeling achy or whatever. Um, I was, I did start seeing the chiropractor at, um, I wanted to see the chiropractor my whole entire pregnancy. Um, mostly thanks to you because I started listening to your podcast when I first got pregnant and I was like, Oh, right. I forgot. That's like really good. (laughs) But, um, it just wasn't in the books for us like financially. So it took until, uh, 37 weeks. Um, and I started going because I really suspected that Winslow, um, was posterior. My midwife with Gibson was really, um, she found it very important that she taught all of her moms how to like, um, map their bellies and read their baby's position. So like, I knew how to do that. And I remember feeling all these really weird movements one day and I was like, Hmm. And I laid down and I'm poking around and I'm like, okay, this kiddo is definitely sunny side up right now, which didn't scare me. And also at 37 weeks, you've still got time. They can turn, they can do all kinds of crazy things in between then and giving birth. But I was still like, now would probably be a good time to see the chiropractor once a week, if possible, Um, do some spinning babies regularly, all the things. I wasn't necessarily scared to give birth to a posterior baby, but you know, if you can avoid it, that'd be that would be swell. That's great. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I started going, seeing the chiropractor, which was really nice. Um, I started really cracking down on, I mean, we always eat pretty well, but I took those last three weeks to, oh, it was just really beautiful. I was like hardcore in nesting mode. Um, oh, and I forgot to mention that in our new house, which is, it was built in 1803. So it's very, very old. Um, not necessarily a fixer upper, but the kitchen very much needed work. So we had gutted it entirely. And my husband just, and I, my husband and I just finished renovating it ourselves. So I was finally having a kitchen again Mm. for the first time in 14 months. (laughs) I had been cooking on a hot plate and an instant pot. (laughs) A lot of soup. (laughs) Oh, so much soup. And it was so hard to not just like cook really lazy meals every single day. But I was like, no, I need to cook nourishing things for this baby. But anyway, once the kitchen was done, oh my goodness, I was in like happy nesting mode, making all these things, all these bone broths and these like rich warming foods, nutrient dense things. And um, it was it was honestly such a wonderful way to end the pregnancy, just loving, nourishing myself and loving resting. And I loved preparing stuff, putting things in the freezer for postpartum and stuff like that. Um, so anyway, my due date comes. I'm not thinking that much of it. I just have no idea what to expect since Gibson was actually born on his due date. I was like, well, that tells me nothing. (laughs) I don't know if I am prone to go early or late. (laughs) I have no idea here, Um, which didn't bother me. But I realized I was like, wow, I am really anticipating it this time, like so much more. Um, And so I want to say it was um, the 
So he was born on a Monday and on Saturday I was going grocery shopping. Um, I was like a day, two days past my due date. And I was doing some grocery shopping, picking up some last minute things. Cause I'm like, all right, well, I know it will be any day. I'm, I'm certain of it. So just doing some things, noticing some contractions that felt more on the pinchy side, but nothing worth timing or anything, walking through them, talking through them, whatever. Um, and they fizzle out in the evening, uh, Sunday, kind of the same same thing and I was like well this is exciting my body is obviously something stewing there it this is doing something and I welcome it this is great I like I didn't really feel the need to get the show on the road I just trusted that like this is what my body needs to be doing right now to prep for labor and I'm just gonna say yes let this happen <laughs> um so it was really funny because Gibson actually had a soccer game on uh, on Sunday and this well-meaning middle-aged woman <laughs> asked me um, when I was due and I got to look at her and go, three days ago. <laughs> and she goes, oh, honey, he's coming real soon. You're low. And I would know because I'm a nurse and I just wanted to crack up and be like, lady, I think anyone can know that this child is coming any day. I'm three days past my due date. Like, I don't know. Good Thanks, job. Detective. <laughs> Thanks, Donna. <laughs> yeah. Basically, like what a, whatever. And, um, and I just said, yeah, he'll be here any any day and she goes well you seem awful calm about it and I, I didn't know what to say except like it's not my first time I really wanted to like say oh yeah well I'm so calm because I'm gonna have a home birth and so there's just nothing to like I'm not worried about it <laughs> just to get her reaction but I didn't I I resisted being snarky <laughs> um so anyway, I went to bed that night and I was waking up with contractions. I wasn't timing them because I just wanted to focus on sleeping between them. Um, I would kind of look at my phone. So I wasn't using a timing app, but I would usually look at my phone. And I mean, they were coming anywhere from like 30 minutes to an hour apart. And um, they were they were definitely uncomfortable. Like I was waking up. And by the time 7 a.m. rolled around, that one woke me up and I automatically went on all fours, not because I felt pushy or anything, but that was just like in my half asleep state. My body was like, well, this is how we're getting through this one. And I was like, oh, interesting. This is this is exciting. Um, oh, wait, I have to rewind and tell another funny story. I... <laughs> I knew that my body was gearing up to go into labor and to distract myself. So this Sunday night to distract myself, I was baking and kind of ignoring the fact that like, oh, I could definitely wake up in labor tonight. I, you know, I just didn't want to think about it. I wanted to keep my body relaxed and just, if this was prodromal labor, I was just going to accept that for what it was kind of thing. So I was baking this like molasses cake and I completely forgot the baking soda. <laughs> So my husband was like, mm, you sure you're not in labor? <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> not. 
<laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> uh, so I always, that was, we had like brick cake the next day to snack on. <laughs> it was so, it was so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, back to Monday morning, this is Monday morning now. And, um, still nothing like timing, timeable, but noticeable. And, um, I had texted my doula like an hour prior, just telling her, I think I'll probably be in contact with you at some point today. Things are happening. Um, and so I heard my phone buzz. And again, this was like at seven, seven thirty in the morning on, on Monday. I pick up my phone and it wasn't my doula. It was somebody that was like a really old neighbor who I hadn't heard from in forever. And she was DMing me on Instagram and said, um, she's like, Hey, I saw the family picture your mom just posted on Facebook and wanted to say, congratulations. I see you have a baby bump. And I'm just like, what? I, I was like almost boiling over in anger. Like I had literally, I'm literally going into labor and we had kept the pregnancy off of social media the entire time. And we had just had a family gathering at my parents' house a few weeks prior where we, since we were all together, we just got snapped a picture on our phone. Right. And Oh, and so I guess my mom forgot to not put anything on social media. And I just looked at Jay and I was like, I'm calling her before I have another contraction. <laughs> I like pick up my phone and I dial my mom's phone number. And because it's 730 in the morning, my mom thinks I'm calling to tell her that I had the baby. Um <laughs> she knew that we weren't going to tell anyone when I went into labor because I learned my lesson with Gibson. I'm like, I'm just, we're not telling anybody until the baby's born. So she like picks up the phone before the first ring even finishes. She's like, hello, <laughs> like all peppy and excited. And I was like, mom, somebody just messaged me saying that you posted that picture and like, you can see my bump and you need to take it down. And, and of course, right. she's like, Oh, Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. I wasn't thinking. And I just like, I hung up on her and I threw the phone onto the bed. I was like, this can't be happening. I went the entire time. And I like look on Facebook and like tons of people I know were like hearting it and liking it and commenting, being like beautiful family. And da, da, da. I'm like, oh no, it's ruined. <laughs> I, in that moment, I was so upset and labor just stopped mm -hmm. everything. Everything that had been going on in my body just like fizzled out. I was still kind of getting some mild Braxton Hicks, um, but nothing that felt like productive anymore. And I was like, I can't believe it. I went to the bathroom. I cried. Um, just, I, I did feel really hurt by that, that she had forgotten. So most of the tears were because of that. And then obviously partly because like, I thought I was going to have a baby today and now I don't know. And I was really upset. Um, Jay was so sweet though. And he has such a calm demeanor about him. Like he always, he's not dismissive of my feelings, but he's just very grounding and being like, his suggestion was just like, well, since you're feeling really well, let's have a really big breakfast. And you know, if things ramp up later today, you'll be really glad that you had a big breakfast. I'm like, 
Okay. <laughs> so we did that. We had a nice big breakfast and um, I am still getting some Braxton Hicks that are like super mildly pinchy, but, but that was it. And I, I didn't know what to do. So I texted Hannah again and I was like, things seem to have sort of fizzled out. Would you please come over and see if we can kick it into gear? Um, and if nothing happens, you can go back home because you live 15 minutes away. And she's like, sounds like a great plan. Um, also one of my top two prayers for this labor was one that it would be shorter because Gibson's was 24 hours from very beginning to end. And yeah, so shorter labor and two, I really wanted to labor in the day. So I was like, can you come over and let's see if we can get things going again? Because I knew it was just an emotional block. I knew that my body was ready. So I was like, if I can get in the right mental space again, I think it will progress. And, um, and food also always helps my emotional state. So I was feeling a little better <laughs> after breakfast. Um, and, uh, so yeah, she came over and we, we live on top of a, a hill in our little city. And so we took a walk up that hill and down that hill. And I was having to, um, I think the incline and the decline made it really hard to walk through the contraction. So I was actually stopping and like just leaning on her. I didn't, I was just easily relaxed and breathing through them, but I also, my body was instinctively not walking through them. And, um, and this time the contractions were so different than with Gibson's. Like I was just having full conversation between them. I felt completely normal. And like myself, I was like, oh, this is what people mean when they say that they get a break between them. And when they're just kind of, you know, chatting in those early stages of labor. And um, I was like, this is really nice. I am enjoying this. <laughs> um and Hannah's just obviously a pleasant person, as most doulas are. You know, you just like being around them. They're just wonderfully sweet people. Um, and so we get back to the house after that walk. Um, she has me drink some water and have a snack. And she's like, well, what do you want to do next? And I was like, probably continue doing something to keep these coming and she's like would you be open to doing like the mild circuit and I was like yeah yeah I think so I think that sounds pretty doable right now and um when we got back when we got up to my room we also did have the conversation she was like are you worried about this baby being posterior because I knew that he still was and she was like mentally emotionally where are you at with the fact that he is posterior and I was like well I still don't love it um she's like we could try to spin him and doing certain you know spinning baby stuff um she's like but also I know sometimes babies just know what the safest position is for them in the womb and I was like you're right like it could be an umbilical thing or whatever like I think I trust my body and my baby enough to not worry about spinning him. And I think verbally uh, surrendering that was huge. Um, again, like I wasn't ever scared to give birth to a posterior baby because it's not really dangerous. So you just know that it's going to be really intense. But 
surrendering that I think was super helpful. So she was like, okay, then let's just jump into the mild circuit and get these contractions going. So we did several, I think four different positions. Um, and I just like, I don't want to like toot my own horn, but I'm so dang proud of myself for how much preparation I did this pregnancy and how relaxed I was through the, con through the contractions. And like, I wasn't even furrowing my brow and it just speaks volumes to how your mindset and preparation can play into how labor goes and the comparison between this one and Gibson's just, I mean, stark difference. Mm -hmm. And I just was feeling so at peace and I'm like, this is so beautiful. And I am just letting each wave wash over me and, I wouldn't call them pain-free. Like I, I, I didn't have like a pain-free birth. I know that those are possible. And my mom borderline really did for all of us, but I was just able to be in a really relaxed, surrendered state for the whole thing, which was really nice. Um, so we just continued laboring. Things were progressing beautifully. It was super uneventful. Um, we, I don't need to get into details, but I don't, I didn't particularly jive with or connect very well with my midwife. There were just certain things that, um, I didn't really love. And she, she feels very strongly about children not being at the birth, which, uh, was like one of the most important things to me. So that was one of the top things, but like in general, personality wise, I just, we struggled to connect and the only reason that we ended up going with her was just because this, the area that I live in, it is slim pickings mm -hmm. and everyone that I called either couldn't travel far enough to me or that far to me, or they were already booked. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was like, well, I have a strong backbone. I've done this before. I think I can birth with a person that isn't like my ideal fit. But because she wasn't my ideal fit, I was like, I'm waiting as long as possible <laughs> before I have to call her. Um, and so she lived an hour away, like exactly an hour away. So we get to the point where contractions are now, I want to say it's about 1 p.m. Contractions are now um, three minutes apart. Like steadily, I'm still working through them. I'm still breathing through them. Um, I am making low moans, but like I'm remaining relaxed, all the good things. And so I ask like, Hey, is now a good time to fill up the tub? Um, and Hannah was like, yeah, we totally can like three minutes apart. We're, we're good with this. So as they're filling up the tub, um, Gibson actually filled up the tub. He was standing there with the hose filling it up. He oh. was so sweet. Um, Jay was like, you know, I was getting a lot of uh, counter pressure because of posterior baby, so back labor, all the things. And Gibson was so sweet. He was like, Mama, if Papa isn't around to squeeze your hips, I've got you. <laughs> and I'm like, sweetie, I don't think you can really reach that high enough. But <laughs> it was so he was such a little doula. He was, uh, he was bringing me snacks and water, like unprompted. It's just like bringing them to me, like here, mama, here, mama. And he was, okay. Um, should, should I keep going now? Yeah, you're good. Okay. So yeah, Gibson was just such a 
an, an amazing little doula. But anyway, we filled up the tub and uh, I got in and we decided that if nothing changed, if they weren't fizzling out, we would call the midwife. So sure enough, they were like two to three minutes apart. Nothing is changing. So we do call her and she's on her way. Um, it really took the edge off a lot. It provided definitely some comfort and I liked that I could get in some different positions that, you know, standing up just didn't give me the option to be in those positions. So that was really nice. And then, um, at that point, I think I, I think I went through transition at some point in that time because emotionally I had like a mini breakdown and I said out loud, I'm tempted to say, I can't do this anymore. Um, so I think maybe that's when that happened. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, midwife came, she did, uh, check me, which I forgot to even have that conversation with her about it. I assumed that that wouldn't even happen, but anyway, I consented. I was like, okay, you can check me. And I was at a seven and she said I was very thin. And then she encouraged me to get out of the tub go to the bathroom, sit on the toilet for a couple contractions. Cause she was like, we know that this baby is posterior. I think we need to get you in a different position. That's not in the tub for, for birthing this baby. And I was like, okay, <laughs> if I have to. So, uh, yeah, I did that. And then I got back in the tub after I used the bathroom, which that was so hard. I think that was the only contraction I had where I felt like I might go primal and lose it was sitting on the toilet. That was so intense. Um, so kind of to like gather myself, I went back in the tub for a couple contractions only to realize like I'm bearing down. This is happening. Sitting on the toilet was all it took for my body to be like, and here we go. Mm -hmm. So they got the bed set up and they had me laying on my side with the peanut ball between my legs. And, and I knew as soon as I saw that peanut ball, I was like, this is it. This is how it's happening. <laughs> There's like, yeah, it's about to happen. So one push in that contraction and my, my water broke and pushing him out was so hard. I was relaxed through my labor up until pushing. Mm -hmm. After that, I was, I never thought that I would purple push, but there I was trying, trying to get this posterior baby out. And the only way to do it was to hold my breath and push with everything in me. And I had to keep the momentum going in between the contractions. Otherwise he would just like go back in. And I forgot to mention that when I was in the pool and felt myself bear down, I checked myself and I felt his head. He was less than a middle finger's work length away so I knew he was so close and I'm pushing and I'm pushing and Gibson was literally sitting on the bed next to my shoulder with his hand like on me and he was like mama I can see his head and that was like really all I needed to like be like okay we are doing this finally and um so it did take about 45 minutes but I watched his head fully emerge, come out. And because he was sunny side up, there was his face just like to me. Right. And he, 
this kid starts crying before his chest was even born. He like <laughs> lets a few cries. His one arm slips out. And my midwife was like, get your baby, get your baby. And I'm so glad she said that because I don't think I would have grabbed my baby in on my own. But I was able to do that. And he came out the rest of the way and I put him on my chest. And there was a short video that my doula took. And looking back, I don't remember saying this, but when his head came out, I started like cheering him on. I was like, oh, good boy, good boy you can do this. I don't remember saying that, but I was like, go Winslow. We, <laughs> we've got this. And he was born and it was, it was bliss. Mm. And I am so grateful for that experience. And I just honestly couldn't have, I mean, labor was like seven and a half hours long mm. and it was during the day. Those two prayers were answered. And I also just, it was such a joyful moment. And I was like, this is what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> and it just brought me to a place of immense joy and peace that I had never felt before. And it's mm -hmm. just been such a gift. Uh, yeah. I just, I mean, the, the theme of redemption in just every way um, is so incredible with this story. And I'm just so grateful. I'm so happy for you and, Thank and for you. Gibson, for your whole family to be able to experience just such immense joy this time around. Um, and so I think that this is just really powerful because I know there are other moms who've experienced what you've experienced. Right. And yeah, I know, know like, Hey, it was like this, but now it's like this, you know, mm -hmm. is, is so incredible. Um, so I can't thank you enough. Like, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you for having me. How amazing was that? As we head into today's episode roundup, I have a few thoughts on my mind. Number one, I'll say it again, how amazing. <laughs> but how amazing was it to hear the way that Blythe's mother's choices regarding birth set her and her brothers up for success? They grew up not feeling fearful about birth, but believing it to be a normal, beautiful event. This is what you're doing for your children right now as you make this decision to embrace pregnancy and labor as it was physiologically designed to be. How incredible. Number two, Blythe struggled, truly, truly struggled. From conception through the first three years, she had a long, dark road to walk. It included symptoms of psychosis, anxiety, and depression, and it was just heavy. If you've been there, or if you're struggling there now, I want you to know that you're no less worthy of a human and of a mother simply because you are struggling. There can be such grief and shame added from ourselves, which simply compounds the pain. Instead, I would love to share about one of many avenues we can consider to heal. I believe that so much healing can take place when we focus on the nervous system. This can look like many different things, but tapping or emotional freedom technique is one of my favorite ways, and it's got the research to back that it truly works. There are so many incredible practitioners out there, but I have a package that has been created specifically for my listeners and students by two amazing women, Greta Zukov and Naomi Reyes. Greta has worked with me over the last year, healing my relationship with myself, with my childhood, with the deepest parts of my core, and Naomi specializes in working with pregnant and postpartum mothers. 
She deals with these exact issues. If you are struggling and you know that you're tired of struggling, just how Blythe began to feel, well then let's begin to heal. The link to contact them and sign up in our Finding Freedom tapping group that I am a proud member of uh, is in our show notes. I would love for you to take advantage of it. And finally, I want to end with the incredible joy that came with healing for Blythe and her family. Not only was she able to reconnect with Gibson in such a powerful way, but she was also able to experience a pregnancy and birth that were truly marked by joy. And Gibson was able to see and feel that too. What a gift and what a beautiful reconciliation. If you've experienced a pregnancy or postpartum that reminds you of Blythe, I want you to focus in on that. It does not mean that you won't experience joy in the future. Blythe surely did, and how beautifully healing is that. Okay, my friends, that is all that I've got for you for today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.